0: All right, what's up, City Hope? How's everybody doing? So, so good to have you guys with us this weekend. Welcome to church. Let me just welcome all of our locations, everybody that's watching online, uh, all the guys at the, at the three correctional centers that we're in, that we have a campus in. We're so glad that you guys are with us today. Um, and I just got word that uh, Foley Campus right now is in, uh, in overflow. They are adding rows right now, so let's give it up for Foley Campus. Come on, Foley. That's what I'm talking about. Um, But, man, we're going to kick this new series off in just a second. But first, I'm curious, um, how's everybody doing with the fast? Uh, We're two weeks in, two weeks into the fast, and I'm I'm glad to know you've got the strength to clap. That's good. It's exciting. I didn't see any hands go up. I I, I understand you can clap, but this is a little too much. Um, But, listen, I'm glad that that's going well. And my prayer for you, for every single one of us at every campus um, is really that, that this time is between you and God, just a growth time, a time for you to see exponential growth in your relationship with him. I'm, I'm believing for answers to prayers. I'm believing for just incredible things to happen between you and God and your family and, uh, and just everything else. And one of the things that we talked about at the beginning of the fast was an idea of every day having kind of a big prayer that you pray that day. Um, For some of you, it may have been maybe you had three or four big prayers throughout the whole 21 days. Um, You know, for my family, we've had four or five, and we'll kind of every day it's a different thing that we pray for. But um, there's something big that I want to ask us as a church to pray for for the next seven days. We've got seven days left in our fast. Um, and so as a church, I want us to pray something very specific. Um, add this to your list. This doesn't need to, to take away from your, the rest of your list, but um, a little over a year ago, and I'll give you a little bit of the story. A little over a year ago, we, uh, we talked about a family in our church that their infant son had recently been diagnosed with leukemia. Um, the family is Nate and Nettie. there at the Foley campus. Um, just an amazing couple uh, with this little guy named Theo that over a year ago was diagnosed with, with leukemia. And we as a church, we prayed. Uh, we believed the Foley campus rallied and supported this family like crazy. Um, I mean, it was, it, was, it was absolutely bananas what we as a church did with the community of Foley did. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, we got good news months and months and months ago that he was in re- remission. Uh, we celebrated that. It was incredible. Um, and this past Friday, we got word that um, that his leukemia has returned. It's um, a so little Theo. He's one years old. He's one year old. Um, just here's a picture of him. Uh, just the sweetest little guy in the world. What what I want us to do as a family, because I believe as a family, we're gonna fight for family um and as a church we're going to fight for your family and we're going to fight for this family and we're all in this thing together and as we as we spend these next 7 days spiritually fighting um maybe there's something in your family and something in your world but i want to ask you to add little theo to your list um that for the next 7 days every family every every person in our church no matter what campus you're at um that we will pray for this little guy and we'll believe for supernatural healing um and and let me add this as well the um I can't imagine what Nate and Nettie are going through, Um, I mean most of us can't, um, but not only are they dealing with the leukemia, but they're also trying to make decisions of what hospital they've got to travel, and they've got to move, and finances, and their jobs, and insurance, and they've got all these other things. They just, literally, their life is kind of being turned upside down, um, and on top of that, the disease. So, um, so anyway, I want us to lift them up, not only Supernatural Healing, but Nate and Nettie, that God will just give them supernatural peace to, to navigate through this, to hear his voice and know exactly uh, what hospital? What doctor? And the, just the journey that they're on, that he'll give them wisdom. So, uh, real quick, um, let's let's take just a moment. And as a church, every campus, let's pray for Theo and Nate and Eddie, um as they because um, this week there's major things happening this week. So anyway, let's pray for them, Lord. We lift up Theo right now. We pray for this little guy, this amazing, amazing little guy that you've got a plan for. Um, And God, we we pray, we believe right now that your word says that by your stripes we are healed, God. That by your stripes Theo is healed right now, supernaturally, God. We just believe that. We stand on that word. And God, I pray that through this journey of the next few weeks and figuring all this stuff out, God, that you'll bring peace and clarity to Nate and Nettie as they as they navigate through all of this, God. That you'll give them a peace in their heart to know that that you're in control, God, that you've got their back, God, that you're watching out for them. I pray, God, that they feel that their church family has got their back, God, that we're all in this thing with them as much as we can be, that we're going to support and love them as much as we can. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do in Theo's life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And listen, if you want to kind of follow along with what's happening in Theo's story, um, they've got a Facebook page set up here. It's Pray More for Theodore. Um, so if you just want to uh, just follow along and be and be in, just know what's happening and pray specific prayers, then that's how you can do that. Well, um, I am excited. We are kicking off a new, uh, just a little short series uh, this weekend, and um, I'm looking forward to this series. But to kick it off, let me ask you this question. Have you ever wanted... To eavesdrop in on someone else's conversation to find out what they're saying about you. Anybody? Yeah? Okay. All right. like there's something about that that's really interesting. Like, like, I don't know if it's like an insecurity thing or if, like, I don't know, maybe for some of you, you immediately started sweating. You're like, oh my gosh, that makes me so nervous. I don't wanna know what people think about me, right? Um, but every now and then, you'll, um, you'll, you'll go to a funeral or you'll go to something like that where they're talking about someone in a way that just is incredible. You know, like every funeral you talk great about people, but every now and then you're at that one where someone's just lived this incredible life and you sit through it just jaw dropped like, wow, like that's incredible that that person did that. And it's so incredible that it hangs with you for a few days and you're thinking about it and you're like, man, I... I just hope I make half of that kind of impact. I hope I, hope I make half of that kind of mark on someone's life. And, and what if I could drop in right now and I could eavesdrop in on someone's conversation and kind of see, like, how do people see me now? Like, what are they saying about me now? Like, what are, the, what are the things? Like, as scary as that is, there's a part of me that wants to know that. And I'll tell you why. And we all, to some degree, want to know that. And this is the reason why. is because we all want to be known for something. We all want to be known for something, every single one of us. And my guess is you want to be known for something specific. I do. I mean, you do. You may have never thought about that before. Um, But deep down within, there's something you want to be known for. So here's the question to kind of kick this thing off is what is it? What do I want to be known for? What is it? Maybe you've never actually thought about it. But my guess is, and honestly, I think this is pretty dead on, is whatever the answer is to that drives a whole lot of the decisions you're making right now. The way you want to be seen, the way you want to be known, the way you want people to talk about you, like the the way people see you, this is driving a whole lot of your life. For instance, this right here is determining what you post on social media and what you don't post on social media. All the things that you don't want anybody to know. Why? Because I don't want to be known for that. Like I, you know, spank my kids a lot because they're terrible. I don't want people to know that. I don't. I'm not saying that. You know what I mean, right? We don't post that on social media because I want to be known as a great parent. I love my kids. I don't ever scream at my kids, right? You don't post that. This question right here is determining for a lot of us even the career choice that we made. It determines for a lot of us the kind of car that we drive. It determines maybe even who you date or maybe even who you wound up marrying, like, this right here determines uh, maybe whether or not you want to be wealthy or you want to be successful. I mean, it determines so much of our life. And, and even if we were to dig a little bit deeper, for a lot of us, this is even goes back to maybe childhood. You know, maybe you grew up in the kind of home where it was just a, all you saw for 20 years of your life was a loveless marriage, and it was fighting and bickering, and it was hard, and you just kept thinking, just divorce already. This is painful. And you're determined. I'm going to be known for that. I have a great marriage, and I'm a great spouse. I, that's what I'm going to be known for, right? Or maybe it's with parenting, or maybe you grew up in you know some level of poverty, and you just you experience that kind of life, and you're determined. I, I'm going to be wealthy. I'm going to be I'm going to be rich to some degree. Maybe growing up you were called names, you know, you were called, you know, fat or bullied in some way. And so now you're like, I, I'm, I'm determined that I'm going to be in shape and I'm going to be good looking. And, and, I, and that matters to me. I want people to look at me and go, man, he's a good looking guy or she's a good looking girl, right? Because that matters. For some reason, I want to be known for that. It drives so much of what we do, so much of who we are. But here's the thing. What do we do with the gap? between who I want to be and who I actually am. Because every single one of us have this space between the two. We all do. I mean, there's no way around it. There is a gap. There is a space between who I want to be and who I actually am. And for a lot of us in the room and at every campus today, we're Christ followers, a lot of us. And so really the bigger question here, the more significant question is this, is who God wants me to be. And there's this massive gap between who I actually am. And so the, the question is, how do, we, how do we close that gap? Because there's a gap between the, the, the husband that I want to be, the husband that God wants me to be, and to where the husband I actually am. There's a big, there's a big gap there. I sure would like to close that gap. I sure would love to be this kind of husband. I would love to be this kind of parent. I would love to walk in the world and be this kind of person, but there's this gap. How in the world do I close that gap? Like, how do I do that? Let me tell you what the answer is not, okay? The answer to this, how do we close that gap? The answer is not just you. You against the world, I'm gonna close the gap. I'm gonna fix all of my problems. I'm gonna be the solution to my own issues. I'm gonna do it. Right now, we live in America where we're highly individualized and it's all about independence and it's all about I can do it. I can pull myself up from my bootstraps and I can make this thing happen. And it's all about that for a lot of us. We grew up that way. We think that way. It's in our culture. Okay, but when it comes to this, that doesn't work. Right, because you've been relying on you for a long time and you still got a big old gap between who you want to be and who you actually are, between who God wants you to be and who you actually are. There's a big gap, and let me say it this way, that uh, if you were the answer, you'd already be who God wants you to be. If you were the answer to that problem of closing the gap, then you'd already be there. It, already, it would already have happened, but it hasn't happened. Right? So we know that, and maybe to some level, you already got that. Okay, I'm not the solution here, even though that's how I'm wired, I'm gonna do this. No, 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 I, I, get, I get that. So we're in church, right? So the, the, the right answer, the obvious answer Right? is this, because we're in church, everybody knows that this is the answer, right? Jesus is the answer, right? What an amazing answer Jesus is. He really is. I mean, incredible. I mean, especially for those of you that grew up in church, you grew up in Sunday school, right? This was always the right answer. No matter the question, this is how you got the dum-dum. Right, you got the lollipop, you got the prize, you got the candy, because I answered the right answer. It's always Jesus, and that's pretty right except when it comes to this, because here's the thing. When it comes to salvation, it's only Jesus. When it comes to forgiveness, it's only Jesus. But when it comes to the life that you're trying to live outside or beyond or the the next step past salvation, this is an incomplete answer. It's not a wrong answer. Jesus is never wrong, but it's an incomplete answer. So that kind of explain this and walk through this. Let me take, let's go all the way back to the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis one, because you see this principle, you see this all through the Bible, right? So what better place to start than Genesis one? We go all the way back to creation. And most of us know the story. We know the account of how God created everything in six days. He created everything. And then he rested on the seventh and every single day as he created every day. This is the statement that follows. And God saw that it was good. And just imagine Morgan Freeman, right? Because that's how I picture God's voice. I'm sorry, that's right. I think it's, it's buttery, it's smooth, it's low and rumbly, right? And, and he says, it was good. And that's the picture that I have and every single time he just continues to say this. And then at the end of the entire account at Genesis 1.31, it ends and it sums it up this way. God saw all that he had made. He looked at the entire creation and he said, it was very good. So God looks at everything he did, and he's like, "Mm mm-hmm, I did that. That's right. That's good. Right? Like, he set everything in motion. He put everything in the way he wanted it, and he looks at it, and he goes, man, that's good. Right? And then we move to Genesis 2. And I love Genesis 2 because Genesis 2 is a chapter about when things begin to grow. All of a sudden, you really see life beginning to take place. You really see these things begin to happen in verse 5 of Genesis 2. It says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. So here's the thing. Everything had been created, but nothing was beginning to grow yet. Nothing was happening. There was no shrub had yet appeared. Nothing was springing up from the ground. It had been created, but nothing was growing. And then the next part of this verse is, But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. So things began to grow. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Things began to grow. Things began to move. Things began to change. It was all of a sudden something was happening in the world of growth. And at this point in the story, this is really interesting. At this point in the story, when you think about it, it's just God and Adam. That's it, God and Adam. I mean, there's animals, right? But like culturally, there's nothing brewing in the world. There's no bad news on the television. There's no other people. Like, like they're literally, there's just God and Adam and they're strolling, they're talking. I don't know what they're talking about because there's nothing bad happening in the world yet, right? They're just, they're just talking. They're just walking and talking and hanging out. For a lot of us, we think that if it's just me and God, I can take on the world. That's all I need. Just give me God and I can accomplish anything. And if that's you, then this is your picture right here because this is the only moment in history where it was just one man and God, nothing else on the table, that's it. God, Adam, it, right? But for the first time in scripture, we see God say that something is not good. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And then in Genesis 2 verse 18 The Lord God said, he looked at Adam and he thought about what the the kind of man that he wanted Adam to be. He thought about this incredible guy that he had created. He thought about it. and He said, this is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. Alone. God looked at his own creation and he said, something about this isn't working. This is not quite what it's meant to be. Why? Because God created us, he hardwired us in such a way that we grow, that we develop in community. Growth exists and it happens in community. I like to say it this way, that the best version, the God version of me, will always exist on the other side of intentional community. It will always exist on the other side of intentional community. And this is the way that we're wired, that growth, closing the gap between who God wants me to be and who I am, it happens when I'm in Christian community right? Because the formula is not me. Oh, Jesus help us. It's not me. And it's not just Jesus and me. The formula for growth is this. Growth equals you plus Jesus in community. Because what Jesus does and it's his intention from the very beginning is that he uses community to do the growing. He's still doing it but he's doing it through Christian community. He's doing it through brothers and sisters in Christ. He's doing it through people that want the best for you. And that's how he intended our lives to grow. That's how he intended our lives, that gap to be met for those, the, the, the things in our life that we want so badly to get better. He designed us to do all of that within community, to pull the best out of each other, to live that kind of life. You know what, in the Old Testament, we see the wisest man in the world makes a statement that we're we're familiar with this phrase. Even if you're not a church person or a Christian or anything like that, you've probably heard this phrase before. But the wisest man in the world made this statement. But before I read the actual scripture, let me show you the American Christian version. Okay, because this is the way we read it. Now, you, you actually know what it says probably, but this is the way we, we internalize it and we, we think it means. It's this, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. 17, as iron sharpens iron, so you plus Jesus can sharpen yourself. This is the way we think. This is the way we operate because we're Americans and we're Christians and we think that I can do it. I can do it on my own. I'm strong enough. I've got the grit. I've got it. I can do this thing. But this is not what the scripture says. Solomon, wisest man in the world, he said this as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can even pull this out of Christian context, biblical context, and see how, how this principle works through every area of your life. Because it's hardwired in us. We grow better, we develop better when we are in community, right? If you're an athlete, you're an athlete in high school. Maybe you're an athlete now. Maybe you, you go to the gym and you work out. The way anything, any movement or growth in that realm happens is when I've got a coach, when I've got a teammate, when I've got somebody else with me that's, that's pushing me along, that's helping me, that's spotting me, that's coaching me, that's, that's there with me. I mean, the, the greatest leaps and strides when it comes to growth in, in, a, in any athletic sport is when you've got somebody else looking at you going, no, 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 no. do it this way. No, you know, your form's wrong, your swing's wrong. You know what, you're, you're, you're hitting too high, you're hitting too low, let's hit just right. Right, when somebody's like literally looking at you going, no, 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 let's tweak that. Or when you've got a teammate, somebody that's going, come on, come on, come on, we can do this, come on, let's go. We can do this, we can hit this, we can get this, we can, we can make it to that next level, let's do it. Even academically, in your life, and when it comes to education and all that kind of stuff, it always works better and we grow more whenever we've got someone else with us. For instance, a teacher. Right? I'm gonna grow more intellectually whenever I've got someone teaching me and probably when I got some classmates or a group or, or a smaller group of people that are gonna work with me in that setting. You know what I mean? I mean, if that's not the case, then we can shut down every school because the kids these days are strong enough and have enough grit that they can get their own education. They can figure it out, right? Because there's a lot of grit in this young generation. They'll figure this thing out. If they want to get educated, they're going to get educated on their own, right? So let's shut down every school, right? No, right? That would be bonkers. That would be bananas. Why? Because that's not how we grow. We grow when someone teaches and helps and pulls us along, We grow in community, even spiritually. Some of those impactful moments in my spiritual life have been whenever God tells me something and I have a moment and I take it into community, When I take it to a person and I unpack it and God uses that experience to really unlock what he's trying to show me or tell me. It's not just that moment because I would have to say a lot of us have probably had those God moments. You know, those zappings where it's just like you're in worship and it's like, oh, wow, that's God. Yep, saw it. That's amazing. Right? Or just whatever it was, all of a sudden some shackles fell off of you and you felt freedom. You felt this, you felt that. And it was just this supernatural God moment that happens. And it's absolutely incredible. But wait, what makes that moment so much more significant is when I walk away from that moment and I unpack it with someone that loves me and cares for me. Whenever I, I, I get with somebody else and I unpack it and I talk about it and we start digging for the gold that God wants me to see in that moment. And all of a sudden it moves from just one isolated moment to becoming a lifestyle of change. All of a sudden, because now there's somebody else in my life that's helping me unpack it, that's keeping me accountable, that's that's opening this thing up. But now it's not just as one zapping, but now it begins to transform me into a different person. It begins to change the way that I think and change the way that I act. And we see this in, uh, we see it all through the Bible, but one of the most profound stories um, that is one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is uh, Paul's experience on the Damascus Road. Um, it is one of those God moments where it is undeniable, God showed up. Um, as a matter of fact, it happened on the Damascus Road, and we now call, whenever people have those, those salvation moments that God shows up and just you know, wreaks havoc on your life, we call them Damascus Road experiences because of what happened to Paul. God literally knocked him off his high horse. Just knocked him off his horse, blinded him in the natural, forcing him to see him in the spiritual. Just this beautiful, beautiful story. But what's so incredible about that story is the very next part of the story is God sends community into his life. He sends a man by the name of Ananias immediately into his life to seal what God had done and to help him and teach him next steps and to show him how to develop this thing that God put within him and what's the next step and how do I go, what do I do and where do I learn and tell me more. And God literally sends community into his life so that that one moment with God becomes a lifestyle with God. It becomes transformation. It literally changes everything for him. And this is the kind of life we're meant to live. My, me personally, I'm not the kind of guy that wants to unpack and open up and be transparent. Let's just be real. Personality-wise, got. let's talk about movies. Let's talk about uh, the news. I mean, I'd rather talk about that than what's going on in here, right? But I have learned over time that whenever I'm with my people, my spouse or my guys or my group, when I'm with my people and I open up and I talk, I've learned that it's in those moments that God does the most work in my life. It's in those moments. It's here, God does a whole lot of work here. But it's in those moments that, that unlock something, unlock transformation and growth in my life that persist. Listen, what we're doing right now is not community. What we're doing right now at every campus, we're, we're in a crowd. This is a crowd. There's a lot of people here at every campus right now. It's a crowd. We are in a crowd. And crowds are amazing. Crowds are incredible. As a matter of fact, all through the Gospels, you see Jesus attracted crowd after crowd after crowd after crowd. His teachings were in crowd after crowd after crowd. At one point, 25, 30,000 people gathered to listen to this man's teaching. But his model was not crowd only. His model was crowd to community right? Why? Why is that? Because look, look at this, because crowd does not equal community. Jesus always taught a crowd, but he trained in a community. This was his model. This is the way he did ministry. He taught a crowd, but then he trained in a community. Over and over and over again, we see the disciples after he teaches, walk up to him and say, hey, 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 unpack that more. Like, please, like give, give me a little bit more. I want to understand that better. I want to get that deep in my life. I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to get that. Help me. This is the way Jesus constantly did ministry. And it didn't stop there because that was his model. So when the first church was created in Acts 2, we see this incredible expression. And it's the, it really is the bar that all church today is set to, this incredible first church that was created in, in Acts 2. And there's a, a, just five or six verses that explain this beautiful picture of God's church. And they picked up Jesus' model and just began to run with it. Because look at what verse 46 says in in Acts 2. It says, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So even after the church's birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the church's birth, I mean, incredible things are happening. And it says, and they still gathered in the temple courts. They still gathered in a large area, a large group of people to be taught and inspired, to 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 be pointed in the same direction, to hear vision, all those things, to worship together. Very next line says this, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They did both. They gathered together in a crowd and then they moved into community because that's where sustained transformation happens. We have those God moments here from time to time, but it's when you take them into community that things really begin to sink in, dig into our lives. So, Let me say it this way, as simple as I can. A large gathering is for inspiration, right? This is where we all come together and it's a crowd and we're excited and we're passionate and there's vision and there's worship and and we hear from God and we pray prayers together and we have this incredible expression. But then the small group is for transformation, where sustained transformation can begin to happen, where we take what we learn here and we put it into smaller settings and we begin to unpack and learn everything that God wants us to learn. In Hebrews 10, it says this, it says, let us us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, don't, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love this term of spur one another on because I get a mental picture, right? Of pushing one another. All right? Of, of pushing and goading and, and doing whatever we can do to say there's more, right? We're going to call the purpose of potential out. There's more. Come on, we're going to push somebody. But here's the thing. In this setting of a crowd, you can't spur one another on. Because the only way you can spur one another on in this crowd is by kicking the chair in front of you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay? Because I hate it when my kid does that when we're driving down the road. Don't do that right that's not spurring one another on in this setting there's no way to do that because the only set of eyeballs that every single one of you are looking at right now are mine right this is not a conversation which is good please don't make it a conversation that would be really awkward okay but this is not a conversation this is one guy on a platform hopefully inspiring hopefully teaching right this is just one guy so for you in a row spurring is kind of awkward Right? The way spurring happens is when you get in a circle and you've got a whole bunch of sets of eyes and perspectives and history with God. And all these incredible things that can be added into your story and your perspective and your experience. So we spur each other on whenever we get into a circle. Not in a row. I mean, there may be a little here. You can fist bump somebody and hi, woo-hoo, go get them tiger kind of stuff. That's great. But deep spurring one another on in love and good deeds is done in a small group. It's done in a circle where you can look at somebody and say, there's more in you. Because here when you walk in, you're in a crowd. You're going to grab a cup of coffee. You're going to hang out. You're going you're gonna to love on somebody. You're going, to hey, how's, the, how's work? And, and hey, how's the kid doing? And how's that doing? And it's just surface. It's just, it's great, man. It's great conversation because we're a family. But at some point for growth to happen, you got to go down a level. you got to get a little bit deeper and begin to unpack your story so that God can use a community to grow you. It's Jesus doing it, but he wants to use a community to make it happen. I want to read one story for you before I wrap it up. Um, a month or so ago, we had a, um, a family that, is, that moved out of state and um, As they were moving, they sent Pastor Vanessa an email just to say thank you, and their time here had been amazing, and they just wanted to say thank you. And uh, So Pastor Vanessa sent me the email, and I just wanted to read a piece of it to you because I think it's important, especially for today's subject. Um, This is what she said. Her name's Kelly. Uh, She said this. She said, thank you for for your welcoming kindness that you've always shown to me, especially during my earlier days after finding City Hope. Treating me to my first unique conference was a kindness I hadn't been shown before, and I'm forever grateful. Listen to this. Attending that first conference alone, sitting among a room full of strangers, then attending my second unique conference, sitting among rows and rows of friends and small group companions. It brought tears to my eyes. We have have moved over a dozen times. And to better survive the moves and preserve my heart, I had learned to keep myself at a distance from forming close relationships with others. But boy, did this church and my small group change that. After sharing that I'd made it a habit to no longer unpack every single box after each new move, the ladies in my small group encouraged me to go ahead and unpack my boxes because I was home. So I did. After a bit of resistance on my part and encouragement on their part, I unpacked all of my boxes for the first time in years. Little did I know that with those boxes, I would be unpacking and tearing down my own walls. I have gained so much, all caps, so much by finally opening my heart. I've experienced such a refreshing new take on what church and a relationship with Jesus could actually be, and it's exciting. Why? Because growth happens in a group. It happens in community. It happens with people that love you like God loves you. And they're not going to settle, they're not going to be okay with you settling. I want to pull more out of you. And this is why we say you got to be in a circle, because the row is just only going to do a little bit of that. But when you get into a circle, and other people are looking you in the eye, they can pull so much more out of you that you probably didn't even know was there. And I said this last week that I believe this could just be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. If you go after God with everything you've got and you work to close that gap between who God wants you to be and who you actually are and you do everything you can do that in 12 months will look back over 2019 and you will be amazed at what God does. But I do not think that will happen without The element of community. It won't happen. uh, You'll have some glimpses and some high points and some good moments, but you won't look back and see sustained transformational growth over a year where your situation, your life, your perspective, your purpose, everything is completely different. That's what will happen. I believe with all my heart when you find the right group of people that love you and care for you and want to pull the best out of you. And we're a couple of weeks away from kicking off groups. And right now at every campus, uh, there are groups being formed and being prepared and we're getting ready. And I just believe that there's a group for everybody. And, and you know what? It may take you a couple of weeks to find that group and find the people that you connect with or gel with, but I believe you'll find it. And if you don't find it, then you should start that group. Right? Because it's so important that every single one of us are in community, are growing in community. It's not gonna happen in a row. Transformation can happen in a row, yeah. A lot of you guys, you met Jesus Christ sitting in a row. There was transformation that happened. But sustained transformation, where you continually close that gap, is only gonna happen when it's you plus Jesus in community. That's how it's gonna happen. And that's my prayer for every single one of us. That we don't just stop where we're at right now, spiritually speaking, but then we grow. And we become everything that God's called us to be. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. I'm so grateful for this amazing family. And Lord, I pray that today you'll open up all of our hearts that this won't just be another message, but God, that you'll truly inspire us to move and inspire us to action. uh, Lord, couples will be talking about this and praying about this. Lord, that singles and groups of friends will be getting together and talking about this and unpacking this. That there will be just something begin to happen in our church that just takes this idea of community <clears throat> to a whole nother level. God, that we'll see the impact that it can have on our life, that we'll see the growth that it will have and the way that it will impact the way our marriage is, the way we parent, it'll impact the way we see you and the way we see the world around us. God, it will literally impact and change everything about us because this is how we grow. This is how the purpose and potential gets called out of us so that we can become everything you've called us to be, you've created us to be, everything that you believe we can be. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. We're so grateful. In your holy name we pray. Amen.